Welcome to the Curator Salon podcast. I'm Geeta Joshi and my guest today is Sarah Jane Moon. Welcome, Sarah Jane. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I wanted us to talk about your portrait painting, your plans for the uh, coming year, and uh, the recent sort of show with the BP as well. So why don't you give us some background about how you, how you came into art? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try and give you the, the brief story. Um, essentially, I think, I suppose as a young person, I always uh, thought I would be a painter and, and wanted to do something artistic. Um, but coming from a relatively small suburban town in New Zealand, um, where none of my family had necessarily been to university, um, I wasn't really encouraged towards the fine arts, I suppose. I, I was adamant I was going to university, but um, it, was, it was really in a slightly different direction. I did Japanese, English literature and art history, mostly contemporary art history. Uh, so New Zealand painting, particularly from 1960 onwards. Um, and yeah, that ended up taking me to Japan. I thought I would be a Japanese scholar for a while. I was in Japan, in rural Japan, teaching English to children under the age of 15. Um, for two years, and that was wonderful as a 21-year-old. It was really um, horizon-broadening, I think. You know, it was really crucial um, experience. And interesting as well, I suppose, in positioning uh, me as a sort of minority or someone on the outside. And I've since then always lived in places that I'm not from, and I think that's an interesting perspective for an artist to have as well. Um, Anyway, long story short, I met a guy in Japan in a martial arts class. We fell in love and uh, he happened to be from Perth. So I ended up living in Perth for a while in Australia uh, and went towards sort of arts writing and curatorial practice. I ended up at UWA, the University of Western Australia, doing postgrad um, arts writing uh, and curatorial practice and then ended up working in the arts, managing art galleries, small art galleries, uh, and running visual arts components of various arts festivals. Yeah, so I have all of that experience there, which has, has really been beneficial. Um, so I did that for a number of years. We ended up moving to Kuala Lumpur, and then subsequently London, following uh, job opportunities for him in the oil and gas industry, in fact. Um, and I never necessarily you know, thought to come to London as, as a place to live. It was sort of an accident. And uh, I've always thought, I suppose, I've always been open to seeing where life takes you and being open to opportunities. Um, so we ended up in London. I started to work my way back into a sort of arts admin slash management place and ended up working at the Royal Drawing School. Uh, it was then known as the Prince's Drawing School um, in the office for a year or so, which was great as well as a way into sort of working in London and the arts. Uh, I was slightly frustrated in that it was a relatively sort of entry level role because I had the experience but being from um, elsewhere, didn't have the experience here in London. So I was a bit frustrated with the role um, and, and my experience level and, and then uh, left. Um, and in the summer, Thereafter, I took a course just randomly on a whim, took a course in life drawing at Central St. Martin's. And I hadn't picked up a pencil for, you know, over 10 years. And I also had this feeling, having been so, so steeped in um, contemporary visual art at university in a sort of academic way, in arts writing, curatorial practice, I had this feeling that, that um, drawing and drawing... Uh, from life in an observational, representational way was quite sort of illicit and it was old-fashioned 
and it was somehow wrong. And it took me ages actually to work up the, the sort of courage to do it. I just, I felt um, somehow that it wasn't allowed or, you know, I mean, you have all of those narratives of painting being dead and all of that, you know, when you end up at a, a university that champions uh, more conceptual art. And so I sort of secretly did this one week long summer course. And at the end of that week, I'd, I'd really enjoyed it. Um, and my tutor sort of looked around the room, as, as you do, and, and tried to say something nice and encouraging about everyone's work. And she, she looked at my work and, and said, it looks like from your mark making, uh, you might be good at portraiture. And I, I, whether she was grabbing something out of thin air to say, or whether that was a genuine um, insight, I, I don't know. But uh, regardless, I went off and Googled portraiture classes London and stumbled upon the Heatherly School of Fine Art in Chelsea, uh, which is where I now teach, incidentally. But I ended up there doing a two-year full-time portrait painting diploma, uh, which was amazing, actually. It really, you know, it, it, it gave me really solid sk skills in painting uh, that I was lacking previously. So really, I think I, I credit it as having taught me to paint, you know, and whether you want to do, whether you want to end up painting people, working figuratively or... Um, anything else it is it's a really good grounding uh, actually for, for just discovering a facility and a, and a language with paint and becoming familiar um, with that so that was 2011 that I finished there um, that's the same year that I, I ended up hiring the studio which we're now sitting in um, so I've been here for the last yeah eight years since then um, and I've been working professionally, uh, taking commissions, exhibiting, um, doing work with various charities, uh, all sorts of things, really, and, and making a living out of it. Uh, I suppose in the beginning, I, I did take on um, several different kind of casual jobs. I was working at a props factory um, for a time, just on a casual basis. They'd phone up and say, we've got a week's work on a particular project. And they, they that was interesting because... Um, they fabricated work for people like Anish Kapoor and Michael Landy. Um, so that was another sort of behind the scenes look into another um, element of, of the art world, I suppose, aspect of the art world. And, you know, I did all sorts of things, including medical transcription, uh, looking after people's kids, you know, occasional work. And in those first few years, that, become, that became... Uh, a less and less important part of what I was doing and I was able to concentrate more on my own work um, as sales grew and commissioned work grew and also as I picked up more and more teaching as well. And how did you, how was that transition from being a student to somebody that um, actually, you know, wanted to take commissions, you know, really moving, you know, they're quite sort of different things. <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, I suppose at Heatherly's it's, it's one of the few art schools where we teach very pragmatic skills so there's not a huge um, business component but there is there is some teaching in terms of how to do your tax return and you know problems you might encounter definitely um, there's you pick up a lot about how to, to take on commissions and things and, and the way the diploma is structured actually in portrait painting is that over the course of two years you have a studio group of maybe 10 to 15 people and every a few weeks a different professional portrait painter drops in um, and teaches you the project and so we were able to ask them all sorts of questions about commissioning and open art competitions and all sorts of things about the business of being an artist which was really useful um, so I was essentially taking commissions before I left the course actually and 
at the beginning, I suppose several of these would have been people who I knew, uh, friends and family who sort of wanted to help me out or encourage me, um, which is, you know, you know, they're still absolutely perfectly valid, but I think is often the case with artists. And I think, you know, you take the work where you where you can. And I'm, I'm very grateful still to those people who, who wanted to support me in that way. Sure. So if your early commissions were friends and family, how do you find newer commissions today? Uh, well, there's still often people I know in some way, shape or form. My family live entirely um, in New Zealand, uh, so not so much family, but definitely people I know. I've you know, had relationships with clients over the last 10 years and they've bought my work consistently, whether it's sort of landscapes or still lives or portraits or commissions. Um, these days, I suppose I'm starting to get more commissions from people I don't know, which is wonderful actually um but people who've seen my work in various shows and contacted me directly so how do you balance the commissions with you know other aspects of your business uh i suppose that's a really interesting question and it's i think that's um for for any artist taking commissions a, a really important question um because there does very easily become a point where where your commission work sort of dominates you know it can can do and that can in turn affect um how you feel about what you're doing you know if you're constantly fulfilling a brief as it were so I've learned I suppose over the last few years that it's really important to have that balance um right you know there there was a summer a while ago where I was I had about eight commissioned double portraits large paintings on which was wonderful to have the work um as an artist and to know that there's a paycheck at the end of that process um, but for me, it didn't leave enough time with my teaching as well. It didn't even leave enough time for me to also be working on my own projects um, and painting the people I wanted to paint for, for my own um, sort of enjoyment or creative fulfillment, I suppose. Uh, so I think it's something really worth thinking about. Um, there's also, obviously, when you're in the studio, um, there's various other things that need to be done. You know, my painting time probably is between 20 and 30% of the entire time I spend on, you know, being a painter, as it were. So all of the marketing, the finances, the transport, the materials, um, the preparation that goes into work, making proposals, pitching for funding applications, marketing, social media, um, all of that does take up a, a great deal of time. And, and I think many artists probably get to a point where, they either outsource that or sort of try and do it differently. But I am very active on social media, on Twitter, Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook page for my business. I also have a mailing list. It's not massive. It's under a 1,000 people. But these are people that have bought and collected my work. Um, so it's very useful. And I know that everyone's really busy, so I try not to sort of use that too often, really. Um, but, yeah, all of that does take, take a lot of time. So I know one of the highlights for 2019 for you was um, being selected for the BP Portrait Award. How, how was that exhibition for you? It's been really amazing, actually. I mean, it was, it was such a highlight of my year that I almost felt like I'd won, <laughs> minus the 35 grand. But, um, but no, it's been really wonderful. The show uh, yeah, was this year from June through till October, and it's now currently uh, in Scotland at the National Portrait Gallery there through until the 22nd of March. And it then goes to the Ulster Museum uh, next year. But it's been such a, such a great thing um, for the exposure of it, just for the, the joy of being in the National Portrait Gallery. It's a competition I've entered a number of times. 
uh, and I've been through to that second stage where you cart your painting along um, to the warehouse and they judge it there. I've been through to that stage several times um, and not got in. And historically, it has been quite a, uh, I suppose, photorealist sort of show. Um, certainly in recent years, I went through a period of, you know, sort of big heads, um, sort of airbrushed, really immaculately, you know, beautifully painted um, pictures where you sort of overhear people in the gallery saying, oh my gosh, it looks just like a photograph. And as a painterly painter, which I class myself as, you sort of overhear that and your heart sinks. Because for me, that's not my intention in painting. My intention is... Um, to make something that has an element of gesture and expression, um, certainly colour I'm more and more interested in. Um, but I love that physical aspect of oil painting, the grittiness of it and the organic nature of it, you know, the fact it's made up of oil and pigment. I love to see that on the surface and I love the idea of brushstrokes and mark making. Um, so to get in was just, it was amazing. And also to get in with a painting that, you know, means so much to me, really. It's a portrait of... My friend, we've been friends for about 10 years, Dr. Ronks. Um, Ronks is an A&E doctor at Homerton Hospital. Um, she's an androgynous presenting uh, woman, a doctor, person of colour. Um, she does all sorts of amazing activist work on various levels. She speaks to children a lot um, about representing and about their ambitions and, and, and trying to encourage them towards success in various fields. Uh, she fronts Operation Ouch on CBBS, and uh, is, she's just got so much energy and 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 life. And I, I have a huge admiration and respect for her. So that was a painting I made purely because I've wanted to paint Ronks for a long time. And and there are so many of my friends and people I know who I want to paint, and it's just about trying to find the time really in in my schedule to do that. Um, and every time I saw Ronks out socially. You know, she's always wearing these amazing suits and trainers. And I just think, gosh, I really want to paint you. As well as the work she does, um, that was also a factor, obviously. Um, but we made it happen. And I suppose that painting was also um, one of the first times that I'd really tried to be very brave and bold with colour. So really embracing gesture, mark making and colour. Being from New Zealand, I've always loved colour. Um, and yeah, anyway, ended up in the National Portrait Gallery, which was great. They used it on a lot of their advertising. So it was blown up um, sort of four times its natural size in the tube at Charing Cross, which was amazing. We had many photo opportunities in front of it. And Bronx has a huge following of sort of seven-year-olds, <laughs> kids between six and ten, I suppose. So she's recognized everywhere, which is um, great. And, yeah, it was on the railings outside the gallery and, and just been used a lot, actually. So it was a real um, thrill. And out of that, um, I've definitely had a lot of new followers on social media. A lot of people sort of contact me um, about the work. I've had kids doing sort of GCSE projects and things, getting in touch and, you know, asking about that particular painting and asking about how to be a painter and all of that, which is amazing. Um and I've had people directly contact me and commission me from it. So I was uh, commissioned to do two large paintings in New York, um, directly off the back of the BP. These are people who were visiting London and, and were in the gallery and saw the painting and sought me out on, online, um, got in touch. They've flown me to New York to take photographs um, for these portraits of them and their families. Uh, so I'll be working on those over the next few months. 
but yeah, it's been uh, it's been really amazing on on many fronts, and I you know it's been a really positive experience uh, for me. And I suppose um, the other thing that was good timing, I suppose, was at the beginning of the year I had already planned to do an exhibition of portraits in November. Um, as a follow-up to an exhibition I had in March of still life work and, and landscape painting. So this was to be the portrait show. So I'd started planning that from about January this year. Um, and it was at the department store in Brixton, which is an amazing venue, um, now home to Squire and Partners Architects. So the interior is absolutely beautiful. It's a big space. And my paintings are mostly very large, so they need that sort of space. And I, the idea was to combine recent portraits with uh, commissioned work. So I was borrowing a lot of paintings back um, and other work that it sold, which I borrowed back as well. So I had 18 large portraits on display um, for about 12 days there. And that went really well as well. It was an awful lot of work because the gallery um, is essentially a space for hire. They were very supportive, but they don't necessarily mobilize their mailing list and that sort of thing. So all of the marketing, again, all of the press releases, um, all of the, you know, the invitations, the posters. I made a book to sit alongside the show. All of that was down to me as well as painting the paintings and installing the show and physically transporting things. And I also made sure to be in the space every day. So I was there right throughout, apart from Wednesdays when I teach. Uh, and I had various uh, tours. I did artist-led tours on the weekend. I also painted in the space as another draw to kind of get people through to maintain that momentum through the show um, and and have people come and visit. And it was I was really, um, really pleasantly surprised. You know, I had we had about 200 people through at the private view. And typically with exhibitions, 95 percent of people come to the private view and then you're sort of, you, you know, things kind of trail off. But I was really impressed with the number of people that, that made the effort to come um, and chat. And also I had a film playing. There's a film uh, about my work, a short film by Lois Norman called She is Juiced. It's 15 minutes and it's me in my studio chatting to camera. It's also really lovely interviews with people I know um, at various exhibitions, people who have painted, uh, people who have commissioned my work, talking about the work. So that was also playing in the gallery, which was a really nice introduction um, to the work. That's fantastic, actually. That's I mean, there's so many different ways of, like you say, drawing people in. Mm. Um, but also, it's quite insightful what you're saying about quite how much work that took to put on your own show. <clears throat> I just wanted to ask about your um, painting, because that exhibition did actually display work that had, you know, that really showed an evolution of your style from a tighter style to, you know, something more looser that you're doing now. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I suppose... Um, yeah, around 2015, 2016, my uh, style was, to describe it on a podcast, this is probably difficult, still quite colourful, um, but quite literal, I would say. So um, people sitting generally with a lot of background uh, paraphernalia, a lot of objects, um, a lot of narrative, you might say. So, <clears throat> excuse me, many of these objects would have particular symbolism particular narrative impact in the painting um, and would be painted with quite small brushes um, really you know up close hours and hours and hours of work um, and quite graphic as well so quite flat in terms of the paint on the surface of the canvas and I've always uh, thought of myself I suppose as a more 
gestural expressive painter and that was certainly coming through in my landscapes during that time but I think through wanting to have sort of control over the painting process things were getting quite tight yeah and I wanted to loosen up and, and bring some of that expression uh, of that that I found in the landscapes through into the portraits and so recently I've really been deliberately trying to do that I did take a step back from commissions to kind of facilitate that to just allow myself to sort of see what would happen without the pressure of a deadline um, and a client's expectation so I have moderated the number of commissions I take on now um, it's much less than before essentially so I've, I've found a balance that works for me um, and yeah really trying to as an artist maintain space within my working week month year to to push myself and explore what it is I want to be doing in terms of my own creative expression so uh, my portraits have have become much more painterly much more sort of um, expressive you know it's not that I sort of like them any better than the older ones, they're just different and they're trying to get to a different place, I think. So it was really interesting having the show at the department store and seeing everything together. That was the first time I've ever seen that number of, of my paintings together at once. Um, because here in my studio, which isn't large, I can potentially see two things at once, really, um, and not from a great distance. So this was a real treat to be able to sort of look around and and see similarities, commonalities between the work and, and how things have progressed uh, and also to get the, the feedback from people who came to the exhibition as well. So I had a lot of people say I was very interested in feet um, and shoes, for example, and obviously the details of clothing, that sort of thing. That hasn't changed at all. Um, but what has changed is the treatment of the background, if you want to call it that, I suppose. So I'm using sort of uh, much more colourful, expressive, gestural sort of marks. The backgrounds are sort of entirely made up these days, really. Um, and they support the uh, the figurative work in the portrait. Um, and I see as well, I think that probably will continue to evolve. I'm looking as well to begin doing more narrative-based work, so still working with the figure, um, but and still continuing my portraiture alongside, but also trying to push to a more narrative, figurative space that, that has elements, I suppose, of abstraction within it. Interesting. What does that... What does that mean for you, the narrative? Because I only know your work as actually having a sitter rather than telling a story. Yeah, so that's what it's been historically. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Actually. Oh, it's really okay. exciting because it hasn't happened yet. But it's, I mean, I am working on a number of large paintings um, that, that are sort of playing around with this idea. But rather than, I mean, most of my portraits are people quite formally posed, um, which I quite like. I tend to paint people from the queer community, lesbian, gay, trans people, friends of mine, not exclusively, but when I uh, have the choice, that's where my work tends to go. Um, and I like this aspect of uh, kind of a formal portrait with the sort of quirkiness sometimes of, of how people present themselves. So that's, that's kind of important, I think, politically in my work. Um, but I suppose in terms of narrative, it's about still working with people so still working from photographs but people doing something so it's not so much a portrait of a particular person um, but perhaps like a film still or something but an action being carried out or maybe there's a theme to the painting 
um, and and the people in the painting are sort of exploring that. I'm not. I have various sort of themes and ideas um, that I'm working towards, uh, but most of them haven't happened yet. So, <laughs> and who are who are the influences that you're looking to for for that sort of work? Yeah, uh, very much. Well, there's so many people like. I mean, in terms of portraiture, Alice Neal, um, I love. People like Jenny Savile in terms of the way she handles paint, I like very much. I just recently saw, while I was up in Edinburgh, actually, for the private view of the BP Portrait Award, went out to the Modern Art Gallery there and saw um, the Paula Rego show, which was previously at Milton Keynes. Um, so in terms of narrative, Paula Rego. Uh, and, you know, starting with an idea, for example. So she has that series about abortion, for example. I don't know if my work would be quite so literally sort of themed around a, an issue or a campaign or an idea. Um, but her work involves people, but is, is not portraiture. We're coming up to the end of 2019. What are your plans for the year ahead? Um, yeah, it's always a, an interesting period of reflection for me actually especially as well coming from New Zealand and having the school year the academic year finish now and you know in it, that's sort of ingrained in your head in childhood <laughs> so I, I, you know I'm, I'm interested in, in trying to sort of actively plan my year a, a bit better in a way that works for me I've just uh, yesterday day, yesterday um, took some paintings down from an exhibition at the Mail Galleries called Art for Youth which is in support of uh, the charity UK Youth, and I have a number of sort of group shows scheduled in for the beginning of uh, next year, in a few weeks, um, including uh, the family portrait at Thompson's Gallery in Marleybone, so I'll have a piece in that. Um, we have a staff show at Heatherley's at the Bankside Gallery, and I'll have something in that. Uh, the West Norwood Picture House now has a gallery space, so I'll have a number of prints there f from January through to April. And yeah, there's a number of things like that coming up. Terence Higgins Trust will do a charity auction in Christie's and I'll donate something to that. So there's all of those sorts of things happening um, as well as the teaching. But going forward, I really want to try and um, look at what I take on in terms of my professional um, workload and really think about what works for me. Uh, in the best possible way and I I suppose I, I'm starting at the moment to work towards two solo shows I'm imagining one will be uh, at the end of next year perhaps November and the other perhaps midway through 2021 um, so it's about you know these paintings working on such a large scale and having quite a busy professional life otherwise they do take a while to to finish and um, and working on new work uh, over time does require a bit of planning in terms of that and what I'm, I'm really trying to do this year is put those projects first uh, which as a freelancer in any industry is, is quite um, difficult when you're used to saying yes to everything but what I've found this year is that um, between all the, the teaching the charity work the smaller group exhibitions um, all of those things you know are wonderful to do in terms of building a network um, but I, I really do want to sort of focus and kind of block off time to, to spend on making uh, sort of larger work, a body of work that, that I will exhibit at the end of the year and trying to just trying to work a bit smarter around that and have less sort of interruptions, I suppose. And I suppose that's what I'm doing at the moment, scheduling my year. You know, I'm leaving two months before the exhibition to concentrate on the marketing and the press and everything because I, I enjoy doing that. It's not that I don't, but... Um, 
when I'm trying to be here painting, it's such a different mindset um, that it's, it becomes quite difficult to, you know, and everything has to happen at once. And I really want to, you know, having done the department store show, I was painting up until the week before the show, as well as doing the invites, the marketing, everything. Um, so I really want to, this time, you know, just learn from that and schedule the time for all the things that you think you'll do around the painting but actually take a you know it's a proper job doing all of the the marketing press and all of that uh and making a book yeah <laughs> all of that takes a lot of time so i'm trying to be a, yeah, a bit more smarter about about that when when you get clients coming to you to commission a portrait um you know they've probably seen your work you know whether it's in exhibitions or at the studio um what kind of freedom do you get when it comes to you know how that portrait is um, painted in terms, you know, like we we're just talking about your style has evolved over the last few years. And, you know, I mean, are they picking and choosing or are you sort of dictating like, well, this is how I work now and this is, you know, what you can expect? Yeah, I suppose it's the latter. Um, it's always a delicate negotiation, a commission, and the, the commissioning process, I think, is really interesting and it can be really fraught. Um, I think it sort of tethers me to the world in quite a grounded, sort of useful way. I think working with people is really, um, it's interesting. It's, you know, it's kind of a collaboration in, in some senses, but my process generally is that I, I meet with a person, you know, maybe we'll have brunch or something if I don't know them very well. I try and spend as much time as possible so that I can get a sense of who they are um, and what kind of picture they would like um, and then I take photos over an hour or two of people in different outfits, different positions, different places in, in their home or wherever it's going to be set um, and I, I do try in that initial um, part of the process to, to gauge their expectations. I tend to work pretty much solely uh, on on my own in the studio um, without necessarily showing them updates or progress shots or anything at all so that initial meeting for me is really important in terms of you know if there's something they don't like I'd, I'd really like to know then so I mean I also ask people how they feel about themselves um, what they would like to come across if they have anything they feel self-conscious about because as a painter that's the last thing you want to do is sort of really emphasize their ears if they're not that you know if they feel self-conscious about them or something you would hate that so I do try as much to, to have an honest frank conversation um, like that and also to think about color you know I'll, I'll, I'll try and ask them why they've chosen me I don't necessarily paint particularly flattering pictures of people in terms of portraits um, I suppose they're dynamic energetic colorful and, and they tend to be the reasons people come to me to commission work um, and I try and ask them obviously practical things about where it's going to go, what kind of size. I'll always go larger generally if I can. Um, I like to paint on a large scale, but people don't often, um, don't always have the space for that. So I'll always ask the maximum dimensions. Um, but otherwise, that's pretty much it. And then I, I, I will show them at the end of the process. If they're unhappy, which does occasionally happen with an aspect of the painting, um, they might say, oh, you know, everything's great, but I wish that you'd got my mouth right or, or whatever it is, you know. Um, I suppose likeness is one thing. As a, as a portrait painter, likeness is something I'm absolutely interested in. Um, but, yeah, if there's something they would like changed, um, I will try and address that because you do, you know, someone, someone who's being paid to make a painting, you do want to, to keep your client happy. You want They're going to live with 
the painting and you want them to have something they enjoy on the wall. Um, and yeah, so generally, you know, I've had that happen maybe once or twice out of perhaps, I don't know, about 50 commissions. Um, and it's just a, a discussion then and I'll do whatever I can to, to, to ensure someone is happy. I did have a friend of mine who's a painter uh, say, and she works to commission much much more often than I do. And she said that, um, you know, she'll do that three times, and then thereafter she charges by the hour, and that's very clearly set out um, in her terms. So there are all sorts of different ways to handle that. That is absolutely fascinating, Sarah Jane. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. It is always good to talk to you. Where can people find you online? Uh, so I have a website that's sarahjanemoon.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at at Sarah underscore Jane underscore Moon. Uh, and I have a Facebook page at Sarah Jane Moon Art. Amazing. I will add all of that into the show notes. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. The Curator Salon hopes you enjoyed this production.